and welcome to episode 523 of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you by Eventing Riders Association of North America. We would like to thank our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. Find everything for your eventing needs at bitofbritain.com. I'm Liz Halliday-Sharp, coming to you this week from North Chaley in England. And I'm Paul Tapner, coming to you this week from sunny Ibiza in Spain. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, it's all right for some, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Liz, but don't you just love... I'm always the one that's in my deep, dark dungeon office looking out the window going, it's so cold and wet, and you're being glamorous in a Carla, and our listeners are being glamorous somewhere else and, you know, anywhere and everywhere. And I for, I, for once, am the one that is out and about. And I, you know, by the marvels of modern technology, we are recording this radio podcast from three, four, five different uh, uh, countries. Uh, I'm in Spain on an island in the Mediterranean. You're in uh, sunny England. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got our producer, Jen, who rarely says anything. Uh, she's in, in, in the U.S. Say hello, Jen. Hello, Jen. Oh, well, <laughs> well done, Jen. <laughs> we're, joined, we're joined by a French rider this week, Thomas Carlyle, who is in Lausanne, Switzerland. We're joined by an Australian rider who's back in England, having just done well in Scotland. I mean, I just love technology, Liz. It's fantastic. But we're not about technology only, are we? Of course, we are about the sport of eventing. And Liz, you've been out doing a bit of eventing last weekend over in Mill Street, Ireland. Yeah, well, speaking of traveling, I've just come back from Ireland uh, very recently. And um, yeah, what a wonderful event. I have to say, full props to everybody at Mill Street. It's my first time there. Um, it was an absolutely outstanding venue and a great cross-country course. I mean, I was there with three lovely horses. Um, I had uh, De Niro Z and Fernhill by Night in the Nations Cup three-star and a super seven-year-old called Cooley Quicksilver in the CIC two-star. And, um, you know, the classes were packed tappers. We had like 70, 80 people in every class. It was maybe not in the CCIs, but certainly in the CICs. They were giant classes, huge competitive Irish tracks on cross-country. You know, they love to build a good beefy track out there in Ireland. The ground was exceptional. So it was a, a great chance to get out there and run the horses fast. And, um, you know, I was absolutely thrilled with all my horses. They performed brilliantly um, across the boards, uh, finished fourth in the two-star, fifth in the Nations Cup. And um, poor old De Niro Z wasn't quite himself on the last day in the show jumping. Um, and normally he's totally fabulous. So um, luckily we've we've looked into him and we know that he's – going to be absolutely fine and um, he's going to have a little bit of treatment for some stomach ulcers which we found out he has which we had no idea he had because he's a very healthy chirpy person but um, just goes to show you know when your horse doesn't perform right you've got to got to do the work so he'll be out winning again soon I'm sure. Well, I'm glad that you found the reason why your horse had a little bit of poor form over in Mill Street. And, uh, you know, stomach ulcers are actually quite a common uh, ailment in uh, elite level event horses. You know, you do the galloping, they get excited about it. And, uh, you know, you're putting a lot of high quality feed into them. And, you know, their, their stomachs start to struggle. Well, some horses' stomachs start to struggle a little bit. But it is a treatable uh, condition. So, uh, like you say, we'll hopefully have him back out competing for you soon. 
Absolutely. And it's a funny thing, you know, he's not a horse that, that looked like he would have ulcers. You know, most horses are, they can be a bit girthy or they lose a bit of uh, their quality of their coat and things like that. The horse looks incredible and he was beast on cross country did a personal best in the dressage of 28.3 you know he was flying but when he went in that ring he was not himself and um you know didn't make the shape he normally makes and just was very unhappy in general and um when i've seen uh this the scope that he's had today you know i commend my vets for saying here's what we think and um, when they saw the video of him and they looked at him and did a few tests and they said here's what we think and they were absolutely right and um you know i'm just happy that we found it so we can put him back to his happy place because he is an absolute superstar. So um, anyway, enough about that, Paul. Um, I know I'm not going to talk too much about you on your wonderful holiday, but because um, you you've been busy in Blair Castle in the wet, in the cold, so you probably deserve a bit of heat. Well, exactly. We've been up at Blair Castle for the finale of the 2018 Event Rider Masters Series, rounding off an amazing series, a very intense series, a very short series this year. Uh, but it's been great to see all of these fantastic people come through. We had Emily King in Blair, who uh, whose horse was a little bit the same as yours, feeling off colour. And I'd have to say an amazing display of horsemanship by Emily King, where she pulled up at the fourth fence in the cross-country phase. You know, we were all looking at the horse going, oh, it doesn't look quite right, but I'm not sure right. Mm. And, and when you have that as a rider, she was in the lead. You know, she's in the lead oh of the Event gosh. Rider Masters going into mm. cross-country. She should be firing around that cross-country course. And to get to fence four and just go, oh, there's something not quite right, I'm going to stop, um, shows a, 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 a level of horseman, horsewomanship on that very um, – young set of shoulders of Emily King that uh, is, is, is very, very commendable. So I thought that was a, a fantastic, uh, you know, a devastating moment for Emily, but actually a fantastic moment um, for our sport that she could display that level of horsemanship over the competitiveness, given that she was there set, you know, every opportunity Primed in and ready, hand, yeah. ready to win the class. And, you know, the next person I saw that was really standout, apart from the winners, obviously, who we will chat to in this uh, show, but was was a young rider, Emily Philp. Now, Emily, I've known her. I've trained her a little bit on the cross-country course, for, uh, cross-country sessions for a while now. Not recently, I must say. I'm not claiming to be her coach. But she is um, suddenly just shooting up in trajectory. You know, an amazing horse she has there. Uh, she gave it the best ride, a personal career best rider i think uh to get up onto the podium of the event rider masters with all those massive names you know most people will have never ever heard of her before and suddenly she shot up into fame and that was the a, a real standout moment for me uh of the blair castle event rider masters apart from all of the big names doing what they were doing competing you know all out for the series and all out for the leg it was Emily getting in there amongst them and, uh, you know, mixing it with the best of them. Well, this is what I love about this sport, Tappers, and especially, you know, now that we've changed the dressage multiplier, it's all gone a bit tighter and the jumping phases matter. You know, if you get out there and you can really go for the time on a fast horse and especially in those difficult conditions, Blair Castle is very hard to make the time, as we all know. It's hilly, it's muddy. Um, but, you know, that someone like Emily, who, like you said, maybe not everybody knows who she is. But she's gone in there on a super jumping horse and she's really gone for it. And she's finished on the podium in Event Rider Masters. That is an incredible result. And I think she should be very, very proud of that. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And I think it shows how great eventing is. Like that you don't, you don't have to win the dressage 
to be up there on the podium. Exactly. She was 12th after dressage, 6th after show jumping, up on the podium after the cross country. You know, just absolutely amazing rise up there. And and that, yeah, like you say, we are a, a predominantly jumping sport. You know, good show jumping, good cross country should be able to um, give you a fantastic result on top of a good competition, a good dressage competition. So two riders that we're going to speak to are certainly good in all three phases of our sport. Uh, Thomas Carlyle and Christopher Burton, we will be chatting to after this message from our sponsors. Hello, I'm Carol Kozlowski. I'm here with the Reflex Wide Tread Composite Stirrup. This is made of a, a very strong DuPont technical polymer, and they have these wide tracks here for your feet. These stirrups are amazingly light. They weigh uh, 250 grams, so we did the math. That means they weigh half a pound, just over half a pound each. I use these stirrups on my jumping saddle, and I love them. Even though they're quite light, when I drop a stirrup or I need to pick a stirrup up, I don't feel like they're flying around, so they really do stay in place quite well. The unique thing about these stirrups is they have these, what they call an integrated 3D swivel action tread. The tread of the stirrup actually swivels to allow for a little shock absorption. What this does is it relieves the tension in your knee and your ankle, makes it quite comfy to, to kind of push your leg down the horse's side. Differing from the jointed stirrups that have the joints on the side that allows the stirrup to swivel, this is actually a solid stirrup. The swiveling actually comes from the pad itself. To me, that's a stronger system. I quite like my ankle and my knee absorbing the shot. There is an arrow embossed in each of the stirrups. That is the direction that you're going to want to put these stirrups on, to put your foot facing this arrow that allows for optimal swiveling here. This is funny for me personally. I won a pair of these uh, at an event once, and I was a little skeptical. I, I didn't think they were very attractive. And so I didn't use them right away, but when it came time for winter, they were a bit bigger and I needed to be able to ride in my winter boots. And so I put them on my saddle and that was when I discovered how comfortable they are. They're very reasonably priced. They're kind of cool and they're lightweight and um, easy to clean. And I personally endorse these. I love these. Joining us now, we are so privileged to be joined by the Event Rider Masters 2018 champion. It's Christopher Burton. Chris, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Thank you for having me. Now, Chris, not only are you the 2018 series champion of the Event Rider Masters, feeling very, very cashed up at the moment, I should uh, expect, but you also won the final leg at Blair Castle with Graf Liberty. I mean, what an amazing weekend you've just had. I still can't believe it, mate. It's just unbelievable. I I was feeling the pressure, I've got to be honest. You know, I had the um, the series title firmly in my sights and uh, was conscious of, you know, the top five or six placing would be would have been sensible. And um, the horse just went amazingly well. I was so worried I would do something stupid and I still can't believe I came out on top. It was unreal. Oh, mate, you certainly came out on top. And uh, you, you, you absolutely blitzed the cross-country course as we have now expected you to do i mean the only man yet again to come inside the time when nobody else does and you know ecru ratings they just rave about statistics like this it's the sort of thing they absolutely and utterly love i mean we always in event rider masters are always on your case going man you are just fast and you're always no 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 i've got i've got fast horses i'm sorry but no 
We can't say that anymore, mate, because Graf Liberty, he's fast, but he's not as fast as uh, Polystar and a few others in your stable. So you just keep producing no matter what horse you've got. So uh, come on, there's got, I'm, I'm going to jump in there before Liz does because she is the, the, the top tip uh, trickster <laughs> asker. So I'm going to jump in there and just go, come on, everybody Tappers, wants to know. Oh, no, exactly. Everybody just wants to know how do you manage to be so brave and go so fast across country on any horse? Come on, you've got to give us a little bit of insight rather than just go, oh, I've got nice fast horses. <laughs> I know, that's well, the truth, mate. There, you know, Graf Liberty, I think, you know, you say he's not quick, perhaps in a race and it's on a flat. Um, race he's not that got that fast turn of foot but he, he's very very rideable he's very polite in the mouth um, and he's so easy to be smooth on and I think that's why he's quick he's, he's a second faster to the fences and then two seconds faster away from them um, so yeah in terms of top tips I don't know <laughs> it's really a tough question I'm getting it a lot lately um, yeah, I think I've spoken once before about these the poles exercise because I really believe it's it's um, trying to pick off a good distance, isn't it? You know, I'm sure if um, some of your top jumping riders were were eventing riders, they'd be they'd be fast as well. I think it's all the same concept of jumping a fence out of the stride, but it can be scary, like you say sometimes. Uh, well, I mean, can you just explain number one these these pole exercises again for those who haven't seen it? And um, you know, also it must come down to sort of the training that you put into these horses from an early age because, you know, I'm not going to lie, I, I watch the way you ride and I watch you at, at, on your young horses at events. I'm sure lots of people do because we all want to learn little tricks from all the other professionals. And um, you know, I think you've got a very uh, solid plan in place for all the horses you bring in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that you have sort of uh, a general way that you want to teach them they need to go, and that clearly seems to work. So I'm just kind of curious if you can elaborate on that. I'm waffling, I know, but come on. You, you no, can fill no, me in no. here. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it, it, it's a tough question. There's no, no simple answer to your question. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of things that I think about that when I, cause I'm asked to teach this kind of thing at clinics these days, would you believe? And hmm. there's, there's many things, but you, you're right. I mean, I, I am obsessed with, um, self carriage. I don't. I don't like holding on to horses. Um, you know, I hate it when horses lean against me. I, do, I throw the bridle away, throw the hand away, and don't give them anything to lean on. And and all of that sort of stuff comes into my jump training. Can I canter across the arena and pick off an oxer without touching the touching the mouth? And that that's a good skill. That's a nice thing to be able to practice and to work on at home if you're wanting to try too. Um, and going back to the pole exercise, Tappers and I. That's going up in Australia. It was a common theme, but it's a fairly simple exercise. You should have seen it around if you haven't. Just two poles on the arena. doesn't matter how far apart they are. The further, the better. And practice adjusting the strides. You know, canter through and put six strides in, seven strides, eight strides. Then go forward and do less, do three strides, see, see how you go, you know. And that's a, that's a really good thing to do. And then notice if you're hitting the pole, you're probably not getting as good a stride as you should be. Mm. Um, or, or you'll notice if you're missing completely for sure. And if it doesn't happen to the pole, it doesn't matter. You can practice exactly. the way until your heart's content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I, I like that idea that if you if you miss at a pole, you'll notice. I, I suspect there's some some visitors that may not notice if they miss at a pole as much as what you might do, mate. Because a pole's a, you know it's a very it, you're, it's a ten centimeter high jump. 
you know that's what a pole is it's a, that's what it is on the yeah. ground so i always say that uh, and you're 100 percent right um berto that you and i out in australia that's that's the exercise we grew up on that's our bread and butter chuck two poles on the ground and away you go and uh, you know that's all you sort of need isn't it but um it, it is that attention to detail within that exercise and just hearing yeah. you say well you know if you you hit it or you you know you've got it we've got this sailing uh, sorry this saying in the australian camp that the, the jump must be silent or the pole work must be silent you know you mustn't ho- hear the horse tapping those poles um so it is that slight attention to detail over that 10 centimeter high fence which then produces 10 times more of of an obvious result when you've got 10 times higher fence which you know 10 times 10 it's only a, it's only a meter high fence that's not even a maximum high fence and you've got 10 times the amount of results so it's uh a, 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 it's actually more insight in what you've just said there than i think you uh you give credit for um and uh another thing there <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh job done there <laughs> so that's what well, i meant to yeah. do <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> Well, I just, I just, you know, like to elaborate because, you know, you put it in such simple, succinct words, but actually it, it is a little bit more complicated uh, than it seems. Uh, and and, and to, to just keep going and keep doing it, it, it on, on so many different horses is, is very amazing. Now, I just want to quickly go back to something you said at the beginning there, uh, Berto, that you felt the pressure, mate. Oh, my God. You're, yeah. you're like, oh, Berto, he's human. <laughs> He feels pressure. Hey? Did we actually make you feel a little bit pressurised and nervous at Blair? I'm, I'm, I'm slightly happy about that. <laughs> well, you have to remember, Tappers. I mean, I started the year just thinking how nice it would be to win an ERM class, never mind the series. So uh, I was absolutely feeling it, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, sorry, tell us, uh, was it always your plan to have Graf Liberty as, as your um, ERM finale horse, or did you just kind of put in the horses that you could, or what, what sort of, yeah, did you the, have like um, a cunning plan all year, or what? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who's the blonde lady that does the commentary on the ERM? Nicole Brown. On Nicole, yeah, she's really sharp. I don't know how she picked up on it, but she said exactly <laughs> she's right. Very she said sharp. He, yeah, she said he's a... Um, very good cross-country horse, which he is very reliable, and uh, the Burtons had been tactical in, in, in running him here. And we really had, um, in fact, the owner of Polystar, who I love and adore, um, was saying, you know, you should be running Polystar. He's running great. And, and I was really nervous leading up when Graf Liberty was being a bit tricky in the dressage. And I thought, oh, God, what if I've made a mistake? And um, sure enough, it, he came through for us like like we can expect him to do. And and we probably got lucky with the wind because it rained and um, he's a good mud runner and he's very experienced cross country. And then, he, you know, otherwise perhaps um, Shane and Ollie might have snuck, might have stayed in front of us. So it was a, just one of those moments where it all fell into place for us. Well, certainly uh, beating Oliver Townend at any competition when there's a lot of money involved is a hard job to do because he is a fierce competitor. But, um, you know, last year at Blair, it was very, very, very wet. And um, I think that's where a lot of people choose their horses. Would you agree with that? You know, you've got to have, like you said, a tough mudder. Um, uh, Was it as bad as last year? I watched some of the video and I have to say Graf Liberty looked like he just skipped across the ground. And um, it never looks like you're going that fast. That's what's amazing. And I've watched a lot of your rounds and ERMs, you know, either from the sidelines before I go myself or uh, on the live feed. And you never look like you're going that quick. And I think, 
this well, must be down to just no yeah. honestly though it's because you watch other people that are having 10 time faults and they look like they're going a thousand miles an hour and <laughs> so I'm, I'm just saying you know obviously it's down to the horses but it must be down to how you walk your courses as well isn't it yeah you know um even the lines and things i noticed the track there was one turn down the hill and i noticed the track where everyone had ridden and i thought that's not the right racing line i was out much wider and then and then close in like everyone was on the apex of the turn and then wider away. And I thought people had all made a mistake there. And there, there can be a few seconds in that too around the track and around the place. But, Berto, that's exactly the attention to detail that everybody else lacks. You know, you know exactly which blade of grass you're riding over on those, as you say, racing lines. You know, taking from other sports. Mo- you know, a racing line is a motorsport terminology. You know, and like what you said, yeah, you're going to run. Yeah, you're going to run wide on some corners, so you can actually go faster. Um, you yeah, know, exactly. and and, yeah. and perhaps uh, people are just you know your 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 uh, competitors just don't have that attention to detail. So it, it's amazing to hear you say things like that. Um, uh, now I was going to say, you know, oh, I'm just going to go back to this pressure thing because I'm so happy that we made you pressurized and nervous. <laughs> it's, just, it's just made my day to to think that Iceman Birdo actually feels pressure when it comes to, to the ERM and the, the Masters and winning winning on that podium. So uh, I, I had an interesting conversation with Beck whilst you were, uh, you know, celebrating on the podium. And I think that you and her might have a slight disagreement on how you're spending all of this wonderful prize money that Event Rider Masters comes up. And, and, I, and I bet she probably told you what she had planned or maybe even spent the prize money before you'd even gone. Was was that a little bit to do with the pressure? It wasn't actually the fact that uh, we were going about to give you a whole heap of prize money. It's just the fact that you knew if you didn't deliver the prize money to your wife you'd, there'd be all sorts you know is there a, is there a plan for all of this money are we allowed to get any insight into that uh yeah um, i'm i'm getting a new set of golf clubs mate i've been promised a new set of golf clubs so that's an expensive i don't know plan. when i've got time to play golf but um yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness! I love that. It's like when when on earth do you have time to play golf? <laughs> like that's crazy. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to your um, comment about racing lines because I think this is really important and it's funny. It's something that um, uh, I've I personally started thinking about a lot more because I realized I'm an idiot for not thinking oh, about it since I race cars. I just realized so I'm long. speaking to a race car driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're speaking uh, to a, a professional yeah. racing car driver. <laughs> yeah, who is not. Who is not as fast on a horse as Chris Burton. (laughs) Yeah, but she's just realized for this conversation that she doesn't apply all of her skill from racing driving to horse rider. Come on, this. No, no, no. Give me me a minute here because I have tried to install this tactic more. Yeah, it is really. It is. No, it is. And I've I've actually worked very hard this year, in, 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 particularly where I've said this is, you know, absolutely BS, pardon my French, that I don't that I don't utilize this because not many people would know the apex of a corner like I would or anything like that. So from, you know, Le Moulin, I really, really worked hard on it. And I walked literally every blade of grass and, and you know, the horse was very close to making the time. And now I'm I'm sort of trying to think it more the more I go, but I have to say the horses are getting quicker and I haven't quite dialed it there in you like go. you have, but I'm getting there. Yeah, there <laughs> so. That's interesting. I tell you the venue that I find interesting to ride at is Barbary because as mm. you know, we're not, we're not strung in a lot. Um, sure. So Barbary this year from fence three, we had a hill and you can, 
you can't, you don't know quite where you're going. You've got a bit of a blind corner or a blind hill to find the fence. And when I walked the course there, I would try and find some landmarks and try and make sure I know exactly where I'm going and go straight to the fence and, and then turn to up it. to it. Absolutely. Don't go so wide as people go. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, that's really clever. And I noticed that watching your video, actually. I went, oh, he went a lot tighter than I did. And I was a little bit chicken, I'll admit, because I was on Fernhill by night and he's notoriously a little bit chicken. So I have to look after him a little bit. Yeah, yeah well, I realized... got, it's, it's, it's step at a time. And that's the other thing I remember our coach proved Barrett saying to me, she said, don't forget when you're teaching this subject that it's the last string in your bow. It's the last thing sure. you learn Absolutely. that goes on top. So the first you've got to do everything right and jump all the fences. So. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think it's important to just, like you say, when the string is more open, which it is in the United States, nearly every event we do is not strung as tightly as it is in Europe. There is no, yeah. you know, you, you can take that opportunity to say, well, I'm, why should I go all the way over there? I don't need to. I'm just going to make yeah. a, choose a landmark and aim for that landmark and then make my turn up to the fence. So I think these are useful things at all levels, but I absolutely agree with you, you know, the the right moment for the right horse and for the competitor to be in the right place but it's worth us all thinking about it wouldn't you agree i had a talk to my uh, rider here she's working pupil and um, she's riding two star and you know she's asking me these sort of questions and i was explaining to her about the apex of a turn the other day and i said perhaps there's a winter activity we can all go go karting in the interest of riding faster <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> there you go. Top oh, ten training tip is go, go, go. go <laughs> Absolutely. Go play golf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds fantastic. All right. All right. The, the, another two gems there uh, that you've just um, conveyed to us there, Chris, is the that Barbary moment and, and Liz had already picked up on it and actually that's the beauty of the Event Rider Masters you can go and watch all of this stuff again and I encourage everybody to, to get on the Barbary Cross Country 2018 um, watch again feature now and watch Chris Burton's round and there are so many riders who have commented to me exactly about what Chris has just said he knew he was doing was that line from 123 at, at Barbary this year was tighter than anybody else ever dared to do and that's how he can go so fast uh without appearing to actually gallop it at a million miles an hour so you know like we said those racing lines that attention to detail but i have to say that next gem that you've just popped out there is uh from uh, one of our uh, coaches in australia prue barrett that it should be the last yeah. thing in your vocabulary, you know. So there is a whole lot of dressage you've got to learn, a whole lot of show jumping you've got to learn, a whole lot of cross-country skill in riding that you have to learn before you worry about actually going fast. So I think as far as a safety issue and as far as a progression issue, that is certainly something that everybody should heed uh, and, and, and take a little bit of note from. I mean, Chris, have you got any other sort of thoughts around that area? No, it's just a good tip, isn't it? You know, it's a terrifying thing when I'm you know, teaching young riders and the, and the first question they want to know is how do I go fast? And I think, well, hold, hold on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I defer to my pole work and say, let's work on that. So. Hmm. Well, I think that's really interesting. And um, thank you very, very much for being so open about some of your training methods. Um, and what an incredible result. Again, let's just reflect back on that ERM championship that you've just taken, as well as the win at the Blair Castle finale. Absolutely incredible, Chris. And um, before we wind up, just tell us, obviously, what is your next step? I mean, you'll be heading off to the United States very soon, won't you? We are, yeah. Um, training camp for us. 
and um, no Burley, so I don't have to get nervous about that. Very good. So training camp, <laughs> and then we're shortly about to fly to to the other side of the globe, across the pond. Well, we wish you loads and loads of luck there. It is a wonderful place, Tryon, and I'm sure that you will really enjoy it. And um, we'll be watching from over here in indefinitely rainy England. Um, but thank you very much for being on the Eventing Radio Show, and I'm sure we will talk to you again, and congratulations. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Eventing Riders Association of North America is the collective voice of riders, equine professionals, and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show, it is a record-breaking rider, absolutely the one of the most talented riders in the world, a rider for the French team. It's Thomas Carlyle. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we're thrilled to have you on because you have been breaking records left, right and center. And I have to say, we already knew that your stallion, 10-year-old stallion, Upsilon, was fabulous after his recent wins this year. But what an incredible performance at the Mill Street Nations Cup. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. He gave me a, a great feeling all weekend. And, and um, I mean, it, it's, everybody knows of Upsilon now as a talented horse, but we, we, we have had some issues since the Europeans last year. And it's um, it just feels so good to get that behind us. And... Um, and to be and to come out even better for it. So no, I was, I was chuffed for for his performance, the way he behaved, and the feeling he gave me. No, it, it was a great weekend. Well, I have to say the score in the dressage. So I only saw part of your test initially live, um, but I thought, wow, this is going to be quite special. And um, I have to say, I I looked at the results and I looked at the scores that all the judges gave, and I thought, I I think he actually deserved all of that, which is hard to say when you get a 16.5, which I think broke every record that existed in eventing for at least the last decade, if if not before. Um, Did you? How did you feel when you were um, performing the test? Did you think this is the best test the horse has ever done, or this is okay, Um, or what did you think? I don't know my way of thinking, but uh, whilst I was doing the test, I was just concentrated on on my horse, on every stride, um, on the indications I'd been given from from Jean Pierre, who'd helped me warm up. Um, and and yeah, the horse, uh, he, he's such a, a serious horse in the dressage phase. I can really rely on him. Um, and probably at, at our last run, Barbary, I probably got a bit blasey with him, um, which led to a mistake. But he, he's just so re- reliable and so serious that. Um, I, I can I can put pressure on him if I want to. I can take it off. I can let him do do what he wants. And it was just to get everything caught together with a with something a little extra. And and for one time, you know, the, the judges did appreciate it. And and I really thank them for letting the scores fly high because I think it's happened to every rider to get a really good feeling from the person. Occasionally, be a bit disappointed from a score or 
quite sure. understand and turn, sometimes it turns around and actually everything came off and, and the judges really appreciated it and I did thank them a lot for for scoring him so high because I, when I rewatched the video I thought yeah the marks were deserved and um, you know dressage it's, it's a peculiar thing it's an art and and you've never really finished um, dressage on a horse but but um, it, it's nice to see high nines and tens flying when when you think you've you've nailed movements and, and put it all together indeed thomas that's a, a very interesting way of putting it dressage is indeed an art and and as i suspect with art it, it's a little bit subjective and not everybody always agrees so like you say it's really nice as a rider when you have uh, achieved what you think is the ultimate and you're feeling that and like you said you've watched it back and you felt that and the judges actually agree with you you know it, it's always uh, a, a very very good thing and one of my dressage trainers used to always say to me you do the the dressage for yourself you know you don't do it for the judges and if you keep doing it for yourself and you keep making sure that you are achieving what you think and like what you alluded to yourself just now is that you're always trying to improve then then hopefully the judges come with you and agree with you and and, and certainly i don't think there's an a dressage judge in the world that doesn't agree that uh Upsilon is this the a most amazing horse in the dressage phase and and you yourself are the one that is producing that so uh many congratulations on that but you know what you're an event rider, mate. It's not just all about dressage, hey? So, you know, there's a little bit of uh, show jumping going on, a little bit of cross-country going on, and it's about finishing on that dressage score. So just tell our listeners, you know, you, you, we're talking this specific, this specific test that just happened was at Mill Street in Ireland. So tell us about the rest of the phases that went on there. Yeah, no, and, and it's one thing that made the test so much more special is that I was – be able to make it useful and, and not um and not trash it by getting a 20 or having some re- too many rails down um that, so that was quite an achievement for, for me because it's, it's something <laughs> like quite that. peculiar right riding a really <laughs> it was quite really <laughs> a, <laughs> i mean the top top riders uh, will understand what i'm about to say but when you have such a, a quality horse like upsilon um, I find you, you get an awful lot more pressure riding them because they're, they're so expected and they are known to be so good that you don't want to let them down um, and you want to show them off to the best. And it, I find it more more nervous riding an extremely quality horse like Upsilon or, or, or Beerman than riding a, a horse that's, that's a good doer but not all good and, and, and is a bit does have his his defaults and you're there to help him um you know when it when you pull it off you you know that you've ridden well but when when everything doesn't quite come you know you, you don't quite have the same cylinder power as, as other horses um so so riding such a, a powerful horse like upsilon and not letting him down is is i feel quite quite satisfying well it's um, definitely satisfying thing, it, it's definitely getting you, know, you the results that it, you want as well yeah, and it's one thing driving a Ferrari, but if you can't do the fastest lap in the Ferrari, then there's no <laughs> real point. You're not a Ferrari driver, are you? So. I'd agree. <laughs> uh, 
Liz, Liz, we're getting all of the motorsport analogies. Oh, no. uh, it's like a motorsport show, show tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Liz is feeling right at home because we've just <laughs> been speaking to Chris Burton, who's been giving us motorsport lessons, not realizing that he was speaking to uh, you know Miss Liz Halliday Sharp <laughs> of the United States professional uh, 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 ex, sorry, ex pro. I don't know. You, you're the same as me in motor racing, Liz. You and ex pro motor bit. racing, the same as yeah. I'm an ex pro event rider. Yeah, Is that how I it works? Went a bit pro and then became an amateur, and here, here I, I am on the event. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, it's it's still in my blood, Tappers. Come on, you know I still the, like. Blood. I like blood. a good racing reference anytime I can bring it in. <laughs> well, I'm liking the fact that we're we're praising uh, Thomas on his dressage skills, but he's bringing in the racing uh, metaphors for for what he's going to do in the jumping phases. And it's fascinating to hear you talk about Upsilon, and because you're you're 100 right that he's he's got his own fan club. You know, there's a lot of people that have a, a huge amount of admiration for. Uh, for, for Upsilon now and um, you know yeah it's interesting to think that maybe the, <laughs> I've got to put the pressure on your board now maybe they blame you <laughs> for, you know when it's not quite right because you know as a stallion he's not always perfect in all three phases is he you know he's normally very good in the in the dressage um, and but like you say it's a little bit of hard work and a little bit pressure to make sure he does finish on that dressage score so you know you you feel that pressure? Do you feel that that pressure is sometimes what causes those mistakes, or is it the fact that he is um, a sensitive stallion? I think it's mainly the fact that he's a sensitive stallion. Um, and but, he's young. Um, I, I must say, you know, when there is a lot of pressure, although I try and keep uh, my uh, my abilities to 100%, um, I'm only human. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't think I've let him down many times. Um but uh, no, I was going to say that I do get quite jealous of his fan club because uh, it's all about him, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, okay, you're only a young male. I guess you do can get jealous about <laughs> young males, even if they are horses that you happen to be best friends with. Yeah, fair enough. I think, that, yeah, yeah I'm got to leave that hanging there. Liz, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I did say to uh, Tom at Mill Street that I'd recently tried to get an embryo transfer from my mare from Upsilon, and sadly it didn't work, but I will be trying again next year. So I think I am a part of the Upsilon fan club. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about the horses down to the jockey that's sitting upon it. So, um, And the Mill Street course was not an easy track. It caused a lot of trouble. The time was very, very hard to make. I think only five made the time out of uh, nearly 80 entries. And um, Upsilon was only uh, two seconds over the time, if I recall. Correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas, but not not yeah, a no, small right. feat. Yeah, which left you a lot of breathing room on the last day. And I do mean a lot of breathing room. So when you <laughs> entered into the show jumping, knowing that you had, uh, oh, geez, like nine points in hand, were you feeling relaxed or were you still thinking, gosh, I've got to get this done? No, I was very comfortable. I was very comfortable because he, he warmed up beautifully. He'd give me a good feeling in the morning when I worked him in. Um, and he, he, he was warming up very well. He was quite high over his warm-up fences. So so I was confident he wanted to be clear. And if I wanted to be clear, then it was it was going to be it was going to be fairly straightforward. Although, you know, coming to the last fence, which was a double of uprights, I did get a flashback of Chatsworth last year. And that just made me make sure I was on the right stride and, yeah. you know, didn't, <laughs> didn't do the same mistake twice. But um, <laughs> it, it, it was quite comfortable round for me. 
I mean, the facilities in Mill Street were, are superb, but the arenas and the, the quality of the fences, so yeah. the horses were jumping. Although the course caused quite a, a good jumper jumped very well there, so I was happy. Now, Thomas, everybody knows you from your fame, uh, of your famous Upsilon Stallion and all of this fantastic form we are now chatting about. But you are a professional event rider. And as we know, professional event riders are extremely busy people. So you're winning major mm-hmm. international competitions in Ireland last week. Uh, but, you know, back on the road, there's a lorry full of other horses. Where are you at the moment? Um, we've just uh, arrived in Lausanne, Switzerland. Um, so, so that's a bit of an epic trip a, an from from yeah. from Ireland across the UK into into Lausanne, Switzerland, and you're just going to you know rock up there with a few more horses. Yeah, I mean we um, we left uh, Mill Street at four o'clock on Sunday, managed to get the ferry over from Rosslare to Pembroke, um, stopped over near Pembroke, um, managed to see my grandparents then because um, they live just just off Pembroke, uh, and then. Monday morning, we drove down to Portsmouth, caught the afternoon ferry, and at midnight, I was at home. Um, spent all day yesterday riding the horses that needed to be ridden. Um, gave the, the couple that were coming to Lausanne a jump, and um, we set off this morning at 6 o'clock and arrived in Lausanne at 7 o'clock. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I bet... Um... <laughs> I have to say, I'll bet you're quite a quiet day. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I'll bet you're very much ready for a really big sleep. (laughs) I'm sure because I was ready for a sleep just getting home from Mill Street to uh, the East Sussex, but let alone um, what you've had on your plate. So um, we will let you um, leave us alone here in a minute so that you can have an easy evening. But um, I'm going to ask you one question, which Tappers loves it when I ask, and he stole it from me in our last interview. Um, But I'd love to ask our very talented top riders that are on the show for their top training tip. Um, And this is, it could be anything that you bring on with young horses or your best horses or just something you take with you in all your training. So whatever you can tell us is your number one top training tip. We would love to hear it. Um, it, it, it would be a, a sentence, a sentence that um, I, I got from um, Olympic show jumper Albert Vaughan, who won mm-hmm. a silver medal in Sydney. Um, I've spent quite a few clinics with him. We get on very well. And he, he says something, and you can apply it just about any time, whatever you're doing with a horse. Um, and it's basically when you're on the horse, if he doesn't, if the horse is not pulling, then you move forward, more forward. Hmm. If the horse pulls, you slow down until he doesn't pull anymore. And that only sentence, <clears throat> it comes correct into every situation. If a horse pulls, it's either because he's, un- in a, uh, he's unbalanced or, or he's out of order, being a bit uh, running away or, or bucking mm-hmm. around. And you just slow him down and then he, he will... Um, uh, until they stop pulling, so he, um, he, he, how to say, he, he becomes submissive. He, he sets, he, he gives in. Then he's recovered the balance and order. And then when, when, the, when you have a balanced horse and a horse is in order, you, you use that to move forward. And that applies whether you're doing a dressage test, you're hacking out, or uh, show jumping, or going cross country. Whenever you have a horse that is a bit pulling on the bit, you just slow him down a bit and then move forward when he stops. Um, and it's very simple, but it, it applies and it works. I find it works for me and it works for a lot of people. 
um, hmm. all around, really. Well, that's a, a fascinating top tip there, and I'm sure that many of our listeners are going to concur or go out and uh, try and uh, emulate yourself to varying degrees of success. <laughs> but, um, but Thomas, uh, it's been fascinating talking to you, and thank you very much for giving us some time out of your extremely hectic um, schedule, you know, traveling around the European circuit, like you've just described to us, all over the show with a huge quantity of horses. Can you tell our listeners how they follow your progress? Are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? All of those um, things? I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super talented with all the social media. I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's Thomas Carlyle, so it's simple as that. Instagram, I, think, I do I think have an account. Also need to, you need to start a, an Upsilon Facebook page and just a little, <laughs> little, little self-competition maybe, there between maybe, who's going to get the more followers. Is Upsilon going to get more followers or is Thomas going to get more followers? <laughs> that would be a good competition. Maybe I could ask for your <laughs> maybe um, Twitter page. services. Huh? <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, basically on, on Facebook and uh, I think we have an in, I have an internet site that should be up and running now um, I'll have to come with it I think it's simple as Tom Carlyle eventing as simple as that well as um, always on our website the eventing radio website we will have the links to all of these things we will research it for you Thomas and when we know we'll let you know as well <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Eventing Radio Show, presented by Eventing Riders Association of North America. You can learn more about the Eventing Riders Association of North America at eraofna.com. You can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. Follow Eventing Radio on Facebook. Just search for the Eventing Radio Show, and we are on Twitter at Eventing Radio. You can listen to Eventing Radio anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also subscribe via iTunes. Thanks again to our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. Find everything for your eventing needs at bitofbritain.com. I'm Liz Halliday-Sharp, and you can follow me on Facebook, Liz Halliday, on Twitter, at Liz Halliday, on Instagram, Liz Halliday-Sharp, and, of course, on our website, hseventing.com. And I've been Tappers in your ears. You can follow me on Instagram, at Tapner Eventing, on Twitter, at Tapner Eventing, on Facebook, Tapner Eventing Team, and on the website, tapnereventing.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.